0: Tis the season to be thankful. I mean, quite literally at the moment in the UK, it is harvest time. And I don't know whether that means crops are being gathered or what, but what I do know it means is that as a food bank, we've already had drop-offs, parcels, collections from churches that have had harvest services. I do know that it means as a parent, to children in primary school. I've already had emails apologizing that the annual Harvest concerts won't be taking place because of COVID. Interesting fact for you. Just last week, Canada had their Thanksgiving day. It's a slightly different holiday to the one we're used to seeing on our TV TV screens through America, that's later on in November, but it's just around the corner. This. Season is a time when, very deliberately, people have historically stopped to say thank you. And I think that habit of taking a moment, deliberately going out of our way to find something to say thank you for, is extremely helpful. It's an important habit to cultivate because life is not a bed of roses, is it? Now I could say something cliche right now about the pandemic and about the difficulties that we've all faced in different ways, but that aside, life is hard. Life is full of disappointments. It's not exactly a conveyor belt of happy happenings and, and, and merry events. Wayfire, disappointment almost on a daily basis, we face difficulties from week to week and month to month. We never know what next year might bring our way. Life is hard and so taking time, even an entire season, to stop and to make ourselves to say thanks is a really important thing to do. I think it's powerful and if we can form a habit from it, it can transform How we live our lives. Think about what the opposite might be. If you don't take the time to stop. And to say thank you. To be grateful. To cultivate that habit. What habit are you cultivating? You're cultivating presumably. A habit of mourning. Of groaning. Of criticising and complaining. There's this phenomenon. Isn't there? Technically it's called. Beda meinhof phenomenon, and I apologise to anybody of that name that I've just butchered a bit. In layman's terms, it's, it's the frequency illusion. You know how it goes. You've been researching buying a new car, and you finally made the purchase. And you thought, when you were planning and when you were prepping, that the car that you'd chosen to buy was pretty rare that you'd stand out from the crowd wherever it is that you do your driving as one of the only people driving that vehicle. The only problem is, no sooner has the check cleared but you start seeing that exact car, same model, same colour even, everywhere you turn. The school run, at the office, at the traffic lights, they are everywhere and it can make you feel a little bit like you're going mad. As soon as we shift our focus, our attention, onto something, we become aware of it more in life around us. It's true with cars when we buy them, it's true with loads of other things, and it's true with how we choose to live our lives. Whether we focus on negative things and complain, or whether we have an eye open for the positive things and things that we can actively be grateful for. When you decide to mourn and complain, you'll find no shortage of things to complain about. And in fact, you'll become more aware of things that might lead towards complaining. You'll never have um, the problem, that phrase, rolling off your tongue and another thing. The same is true, I promise, when it comes to giving thanks. When we choose to give thanks for something, even the smallest thing, It starts a ball rolling. It starts this positive feedback loop where we have eyes to see and ears to hear and lips to say thank you for more things in our lives. And I say all of this just to reiterate the fact that cultivating a habit of thankfulness is so, so important. Because none of us want to be the sort of person who isn't saying thank you. None of us want to be the sort of person who isn't grateful. Stop for a moment and think about the sort of people you've encountered in your life. They could be um, still alive, they they could have passed away, but the sort of people who, when you see how they live, you want to be like them. You want to be like them when you grow up. You want to emulate them and imitate them. My guess is that they are thank-filled people. That may not be an attribute you have initially identified, but think the opposite, the alternative. They're almost certainly not cynical people. They're, they're almost certainly not critics all the time. We don't want to be like those sorts of people. They're almost certainly not mourning Michaels, as one of my friends puts it. We want to be like those sorts of people whose lives are filled with gratitude and giving thanks. We know what sort of people we want to be, grateful people. And as it turns out, that is exactly the sort of people we're instructed to be in the scriptures.
1: Psalm for
2: giving thanks. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. Know that the Lord is God. He, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts of praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations.
0: The command is pretty clear, isn't it? If I really wanted to labour the point that the, the Bible tells us we should be people who give thanks, I could have gone to Psalm 136. Flick there yourselves, by all means, give thanks to the Lord is how it starts. Give thanks to the Lord is how it continues. Give thanks to the Lord is the instruction, the imperative of how it closes as well. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. And what we sometimes fail to recognise in commands like that in scripture is that there's method in the madness. There's a purpose and a point behind the instruction. You see, being thankful, having an attitude and a disposition and and cultivating this habit of giving thanks is a beneficial thing. It's good for everyone who's involved. First and foremost, being good is good for us. Being thankful is good for us, I should say rather. There are countless examples in the scripture of people who are ungrateful. People who do not give thanks when they should give thanks. And it doesn't end well. It doesn't lead them down a good path. One example that springs to mind for me is Saul in the book of 1 Samuel. Saul was king of Israel and they faced literally this giant in Goliath. They didn't know what to do. David came along and took the place of the entire Israel army and defeated that enemy. More than that, David would begin to ride out in battle and lead the people to win many, many wars against their enemies. And Saul, so, who should have been grateful, instead he moaned. He groaned that people were praising David more than him. Instead of being grateful, he became proud. He became suspicious And it ate away at him. It destroyed him. See, the language of pride is not thank you. The language of pride is, I deserve more. And the Bible's got a lot to say about pride, and none of it is good. Romans 1, for example, provides this scathing review of people who have rejected and opposed God, and one of the hallmarks, it says, is that they don't give thanks to God as they ought. And if you go there, the outcome for them is a pretty ugly description, almost a subhuman description of where they end up. Because being thankful is part of what we were designed to be. Being thankful is literally good for us. But more than that, being thankful is good for those around us. I mean, you can put yourself in that scenario, can't you? Where you're around someone and they are getting pretty shirty. They're being critical. They're they're making a complaint in a restaurant. And it makes you feel really, really uncomfortable. It puts you in a bad mood and a bad place. How others are affects us and so how we are affects others. We see that so So well in the lives of children. When they're brought up in critical, negative homes, then that's their disposition for the rest of their lives. It's even true in adults that significant events, negative events, can have long-lasting impacts on how they view and speak and experience the world. You see, how we are, in our thankfulness or otherwise, will affect those around us. Psalm 105 gives the same command with a slightly different angle, or give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, and make known his deeds among all people. When we are thankful, it will rub off on others around us. It shapes us and it shapes our environment. And again, we can ask the question, do you want to be the sort of person that is influencing people, directing them towards joy, or chipping away at their joy? Like a drip, drip, drip of negativity. Being thankful is good for those around us. And lastly, being thankful is good for God. How is that? In 2 Corinthians, Paul is speaking about how he... And the fellow apostles, the fellow evangelists, we might call them, how they conduct themselves, how they share the good news about the light of the world, Jesus coming into the darkness, and how people's eyes are open to the truth. And he concludes that thought by saying this, that all of what they're about ultimately is really positive. Because when the good news of Jesus, when the gospel reaches and affects new people, it causes thanksgiving to overflow. And he says that sort of thanksgiving overflowing to God brings glory to God. When we're rightly thankful, when we're right, rightly showing gratitude and grateful towards God, it glorifies him. That's why the scriptures command us to give thanks, because it's really good for you, it's really good for me, it's really good for those around us, and it glorifies our God. Psalm 100 is a small and subtle psalm in many ways. But as I prepared this week, one tiny little word jumped out at me. For, give thanks for the Lord is good. When it jumped out at me, I considered some of the things that the Psalm doesn't say. It doesn't say give thanks when God is good. It doesn't say give thanks if God is good. It doesn't even say, Give thanks so that God might be good. Now, what it says is this. Give thanks for. Precisely because he is good. Precisely because he is compassionate. His love does endure. His faithfulness remains towards countless generations. Give thanks for God is good. You see, it's fitting for us to give thanks to God, to enter his presence with gratitude because he is one who is so worth giving thanks to. And though Psalm 100 is a short psalm, it is not short on reasons why we should be thankful. First and foremost, it says that we should be thankful because he is God. Now this is lost a little bit in our flat English translations, but verse three says this, know that the Lord is God. And that is a really profound statement. What it's saying there is that Yahweh, know that the Lord, know that Yahweh, the covenant God who has revealed himself to Abraham and to Moses and to David, our God, he is the God, the true God and the ultimate God. When you come, the psalm says, you aren't just singing your songs. You aren't just making your sacrifices of worship to any old God, but to thee. Give thanks to God for he is the ultimate, the supreme, the authoritative God. But more than that, it says give thanks to that God, not just because he's God, but because he's the one who's made us. Give thanks to that God because he has formed us and created us. We're not made by ourselves, but we are made by him. It's another reason to give thanks to him. But there's more still. It says that we are his people. And that means he cares about us. It says that he tends us and looks after us like a shepherd does for his flocks. There's no shortage of reasons to give thanks to the Lord. To give thanks to God for who he is. letter to the Thessalonian church nearing the end he urges them he encourages them to be a people who give thanks in all circumstances give thanks in all circumstances turns out Paul says that that is God's will for us his desire is for us to be a rejoicing a praying and a grateful family always but surely he can't mean always what about when bad stuff is happening? Are we supposed to be a grateful people then? Are we supposed to give thanks then? There will this side of Christ's return be no shortage of reasons why you and I should not give thanks. But by the same token, there will never ever be a shortage of reasons why we should give thanks to. You see, the reason that Christians are able, the reason that Christians are called and supposed to always be giving thanks, isn't because we've got bigger homes than everybody else. It isn't because we've got more obedient children. It isn't because we've got better jobs and finer health. But because we're a people who are rooted in grace. And to help us think about that this morning, I want us to spend a moment or two thinking about Jesus at the Last Supper. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus took bread and he broke it. As he was doing that, he gave thanks to God. And then he went on to explain to his followers that this was a symbol, a picture, a portrait of what was about to happen to him. He said, this bread is my body broken for you. There isn't really a bleaker picture in all of Scripture. Jesus is anticipating his own death, his own gruesome crucifixion, an undeserving punishment handed out by some very deserving priests and a cowardly governor. But as Jesus is contemplating those events that are going to unfold in just a few hours' time, what does he do? In the middle of all that, he gives thanks on the face of it it's baffling isn't it on the surface it, it surface it is utterly confusing but ultimately jesus is giving thanks not because he's about to be beaten broken and killed because he has eyes to see he knew and understood grace he knew that what was happening to him Horrible as it was, was an act of grace. That from his suffering would come blessing beyond measure for his closest friends, and blessing beyond measure even to the ends of the earth. Jesus knew and was rooted in grace. And we as Christians are supposed to be rooted in the same stuff. That's why Paul writes to the church in Rome, and in chapter 8, he goes off on this long um, list of things, of troubles, of difficulties that can befall people. He says that there is death, there is famine, there is sword, there is nakedness, there is shame and abandonment. But, but none of these things undermine the grace of God towards us in Christ. We can never go as far as to say we should give thanks for ourselves but like jesus we're called to be a people who look beyond it see behind it a goodness a kindness and the love of god remember the psalm psalm 100 says uh, that god is this powerful god that he's this majestic god that he's this authoritative god who made us and then tells us to give thanks if those are the bare facts of it, then there is an impetus to give thanks, but but no real desire in us. I mean, it, it's it's neutral news at best. But the psalm reminds us that all that power, all that authority, has behind it the full weight of God's goodness, his compassion, and his faithfulness. We give thanks because of God and his grace towards us. So what are the sorts of things we should be giving thanks for then? Let's have a stab at that. We aren't well practiced in giving thanks, I don't think, in the UK. And that's partly because harvest is really a poor substitute for the thanksgiving that they they have over in the States and in Canada. Perhaps it's because it's still so rooted in an agricultural life that none of us are really familiar with. But there are things that we should be giving thanks for? Firstly, we should be giving thanks that we are his. That's what it says in Psalm 100, that he has made us. We are his people. We are the sheep of his flock. But more than that, we are doubly his. We have been bought at a price. And so daily, that should be our thanks, our gratitude, because it needn't be that way. It needn't be that God has created us, and it needn't be that God has redeemed us in Jesus Christ. First and foremost, our gratitude should be, our thanksgiving should be, that we are His and doubly so. But more than that, think about the list of things that Paul gives thanks for in his letters. He doesn't just command churches to be thankful, he actually expresses thankfulness on a number of occasions. To the letters uh, to Rome and Ephesus and Colossae, Thessalonica, to his friend Philemon, he gives thanks for their faith. To again to Ephesus and Colossians and Thessalonica and Philemon, he gives thanks for their love. Elsewhere, he gives thanks for people's steadfastness, their continuing along the same path, especially through trials. He gives thanks to the Corinthian church for their spiritual gifts. And he gives thanks especially to the Philippian church for their partnership with him in the gospel. It's a heck of a list and is by no means exhaustive. But just think about those things that Paul expressed thanks for. Faith. He gave thanks for love. He gave thanks for steadfastness, for spiritual gifts and partnership. What strikes me about that list, though, isn't just how spiritual it is compared to the sorts of things we would try to come up with when we manufacture lists but how others-focused it is. Paul isn't just stopping and being grateful for things that he has experienced in his own life by God's grace, but he's thankful for what's happening in the lives of those around him. Shouldn't we be thankful for God's goodness and kindness elsewhere too? So firstly, we should be thankful day by day for how we are his Doubly so in Christ. Second of all, we should be thankful for the positive things that are going on in the lives of those around us. But then, thirdly, I think we can and we should make more of an effort to search our own lives and find reasons to be thankful. You see, we are people who take so much for granted. The video we watched suggested that we should be thankful for people, for possessions. For places, someone, something, somewhere. That we should be thankful for each other, for everything that we have and every experience that we have had. Truth is, we've got no shortage of things to say thank you for. And the wonderful promise is this. That when we begin to say thank you, even for the smallest things, it will get even easier. So we should be thankful for Jesus. We should be thankful for each other and we should be thankful for all the things that we have in our lives by God's grace. How will we give thanks? Of course, it says we should give thanks always. It says that we should give thanks when we enter his courts or we pass through his gates. But let me try and get practical for a few moments to close. How can we give thanks? When? Where? What does that look like? Tip number one on how to be grateful is to write things down. Now, I know that it can sound a little bit Millennial, to speak about journals or jars where we specifically put things that we're thankful for. But genuinely, in the act of writing something down, it will bless you. And bless you not just as you do it, but it will also give you the opportunity to look back at a future date. And remember, be reminded of the things that you have got to be thankful for. So this is place number one. Tip number one. When we're giving thanks, we should write things down. Because that will bless us now and it will bless us in the future. Tip number two is to do this. Not just write it down but to tell others. To speak it out. Because ladies and gentlemen our gratitude, our gratefulness, our thanksgiving are not intended just to be private things between us and God. They're supposed to be public things as well. Again, go back to Psalm 110, and it speaks about shouting for joy. And that shouting isn't to take place in a soundproof booth. That shouting is to take place so that others would hear, that others would see, that others would taste how good God is. When we're giving thanks, we're to do it personally and publicly. Help other people to see more of God's grace in the world. And then thirdly, we're to do it by asking others, to go fishing for excuses to give thanks. We need to be the sorts of people who are going out of our way looking for reasons to give thanks. If we're not doing that, then we'll be the sorts of people who so easily spot problems, who so easily spot and fixate on issues. We don't need to be like that. We can be people who are going out of our way and asking others for examples, for reasons to give thanks. Tip number one, write it down. Tip number two, tell someone else. Tip number three, ask someone else to give you a reason to be thankful. And This is the last thing I want to share this morning. I want to challenge you now before you go off and have your lunch to jump on Facebook, to jump on Instagram, wherever it might be, and post about one thing that you are thankful for. Jump on Facebook, jump on Instagram, jump on wherever you need to do to make a public declaration and post about one thing that you are thankful for. More than that, here's a challenge for you. Before you have your lunch, to go and find someone, to go and tell someone Why you are grateful. Grateful for them, all the better. But do not keep gratitude to yourself. Do not keep gratitude something that is buried way down, way at the back of your mind. Let's be a people who are in the habit of searching and expressing gratitude. Because, after all, it is the season to be thankful. And so we should go and we should do so all the more. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God worth. We thank you that even in the midst of our struggles and suffering, we have an inexhaustible list of reasons to be thankful. Help us to be a people who are fixated on thankfulness. A humble people whose language is that of thank you. Lord, it will do us good, it will benefit those around us and it will glorify you. Be with us in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.